0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Baltimore Orioles 4, the Cleveland Guardians nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And this was, an, man, this was another Guardians game where... Uh, I'm having a real hard time finding Guardians things to talk about. I mean, in a 4-0 shutout, this game was all Baltimore. All They dominated. They really, in a very quiet way, their pitchers kind of dominated us on the day. I mean, Jordan Lyles out of nowhere goes six and two-thirds innings. Pitch only gives up four hits no runs, three walks, two strikeouts, only two strikeouts, 96 pitches, he's hard hit four times, four times, there was nothing, nothing, and the first inning was probably our best chance to score, there was just nothing offensively on this day, right, Ramirez with a one-out single, Naylor reaches on a fielding error, he he chops one with a shortstop cutting across the second baseman with the shift on, and it just pops over his glove into right field. So they have runners on the corner, and Gonzalez smokes one at 109.7, but you know grounds out to uh, end the threat. They would threaten again in the uh, in the fourth inning. They would they would get all three of their walks in one inning off a of Lyle. Naylor would, uh, Ramirez would double. Naylor would walk. Gonzalez would hit into a double play. Jimenez would walk. Palacios would walk. And then Luke Maley would hit into a force out. So, fourth inning, probably there, another, another chance to put something together. Uh, they just, man, this offense was quiet. Man, it just, ah. Uh, it's just a rough day for the Guardians. Rosario and Ramirez both have multi-hit games. Uh, you know, in the 2-3 spot, they just can't sync it up and do it in the same inning. Uh, so that kind of goes for nothing. And that, I mean, that's it offensively. And Lyles didn't do it in an impressive way. Only two strikeouts. Uh, his CSW number, he's got an 18% whiff rate, a 26% CSW. He was not doing anything spectacular off his curveball, which he threw 31 times, uh, which we put 7 in play, we had an average exit velocity of 78.1. Off the four-seam fastball, which we put in play 5 times, we had an average exit velocity of 79.4. So the two pitches he threw the most on the day, two-thirds of the pitches he threw on the day, were either a curve or a fastball, and uh, we're hitting it in the 70s. That's not... Man, I something about what he did yesterday... Just really kept us off our toes offensively. And uh, I mean, it's no mystery here. It's kind of high fastballs. They're in through a lot of fastballs into our left-handed hitters, and then curveballs from the waist down. It's it's not a uh, a combination we've never seen before. So uh yeah, I'm I'm droning on because the rest of this episode, I'm gonna talk about Baltimore Oriole things and Guardians pitching pretty much. Uh, so the top storyline of this game is probably Gunnar Henderson making his Major League debut for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, he plays a little short. He plays a little third. Uh, they may even try to mix him in there at second and first. He was the number two prospect in all of Major League Baseball. And he finally makes his Major League day de- debut here a day before September call-ups. So they get him in there before September call-ups. And uh, he's starting at third base, and he has himself a monster game. He, he makes a lot of outs, uh, or makes a lot of outs in the field, uh, and then goes two for four at the plate with a home run. Uh, and his first major league hit is a home run. So Gunnar Henderson really was kind of the top storyline of this game. Uh, his first at bat, in fact, was in an important part of the game, even if it doesn't go for a hit. His first at-bat for the game, he hits one foul down the left field line with Mount Castle on first base. It's slicing towards that big high wall in the corner of left field. Quan leaves his feet again, floats through the air again. He does the double leg jump again and, uh, and somehow catches this ball crashing into the wall at the height of his jump comes down smoothly, fires a missile to Ahmed Rosario, who fires another missile to first base, and they double up Mountcastle at first base. I mean, this was a defensive play, right? I mean, you thought all the momentum was in the Guardians' favor with a play like this in the second inning. Quan, you know, Manning called it a Spider-Man catch, and not to get a too comic book nerdy on you, but if it was a Spider-Man, I mean, if it were me, if it were a Spider-Man catch... I would've, you would have put your foot out towards the wall, right? You would have It would have been like climbing the wall more than this. Quan does the same thing he did in Seattle, where he leaves both feet and just kind of glides through the air. Uh, it, it almost was reminiscent, if you remember the 90s movie Angels in the Outfield, right, the classic kids baseball movie. Uh, man, that's such a fun movie. Uh, anyways... <laughs> Maybe one one day in the offseason, we should do a whole episode on baseball movies. Um, but remember, uh, the Angels pick up the outfielders. It's, uh, oh, who's the actor? It's McConaughey. It's Matthew McConaughey doing a kid's movie. The Angels pick him up, and he glides through the air, right, and reaches out for the ball. That's kind of what it felt like from Stephen Kwan here. Both legs were in, I, I just, I mean, you don't see people leap very often with both legs in the air like this. They usually jump off one leg like a, like an NBA player, you know, doing a hook shot. Uh, they just, yeah. So, incredible by Stephen Kwan. Makes another spectacular catch. Add that to the highlight reel with the catch in Seattle, with the catch in Colorado. And I'm sure you could probably think of two or three more catches to throw into that Stephen Kwan highlight reel at the end of the season. Um, so, and not only that, what was Mountcastle doing? What was he doing? So he could clearly see this ball was going to go foul at that point. Why risk it? Why not get back to first base and let yourself get doubled up? I mean, that's did he really think that ball was going to hit in the corner? Like it was clearly that thing was going foul no matter what. So what was Mountcastle doing that far off first base? Um, So a huge double play there in Gunnar Henderson's first at bat. In his next at bat, though, he gets a slider. Uh, down and in, and he turns on it, and he turns on it, and he hits this thing, uh, 107.1 miles per hour, 24-degree launching, a 429 out to right center field. So he jumps on the slider and absolutely destroys it. And Tristan McKenzie will give up a home run on the slider. The curveball is the pitch that is very hard to hit a home run off of. In fact, they're only slugging 2.09 off of his curveball. It's only a 2.42 expected slugging, so even the expected numbers aren't showing that they're hitting this curveball very well. Um, what's the launch angle? La- average launch angle is 16 uh, degrees off of that curveball. So he's given up 12 home runs off his four-seam fastball. It's only given up two off that curveball, but the slider they will hammer. The slider, he has given up seven home runs off of that now. It's got a slugging percentage of 485. In fact, they slug the most off of his slider of any of McKenzie's pitches. Uh, the expected slugging is 425. Um, yeah, what's weird is the average launch angle is only nine degrees. So it's not a pitch that gets lifted too often, but when it does get lifted, it's apparently going for a home run. So, yeah, uh, he, he gets the slider here. He gets the slider down and in. Uh, It's kind of up at the thighs. You know, it's not that far down. It's not down at the knees or below the strike zone or anything like that. And uh, Gunnar Henderson, his first major league hit is a monster home run, a solo home run to kick off the fourth inning uh, out to to right field. And then he would come up late in the game, and he would lace a single through the right side to lead off the ninth inning. He would lace a single through the right side at 101.4 miles per hour. So, uh, Gunnar Henderson, yeah, definitely showing that that is a talented baseball player. Uh, he is going to, I mean, we're just be the, we're the lucky team that gets to see him in his major league debut, and uh, he is going to be a boost for them down the stretch. Uh, It's impressive. I think the only thing missing from his game is they got to find a batting helmet that can fit over his flowing hair. Uh, he's got the uh, Jose Ramirez problem where that batting helmet uh, will not stay on anything. I mean, he couldn't even make it out of the batter's box before that batting helmet was falling off. So uh, I think the equipment team has a little bit of work cut out for them for Baltimore to uh, get that batting helmet to stick. But yeah, an impressive debut uh, by Gunnar Henderson. So uh, what else was going on with Tristan McKenzie in this game against Baltimore's offense? Well, yeah, he gives up another home run and uh, McKenzie leads all of Guardians pitchers. All of our starters with home runs given up. He's now up to 22 home runs given up. Uh, Plesak is next at 19. However, they both have given up 1.3 home runs per nine innings. Uh, It's interesting because he's given up less hits than Shane Bieber, right? In almost the same amount of innings, 152.2 to 152. He's given up less hits than Shane Bieber, but he's given up more home runs, So he's got a better whip. McKenzie's whip, walks hits per inning pitch, is under one. It's at 0.969. Beavers is just over one at 1.086. But McKenzie's FIP is way higher at 3.91 to 2.72 because of the home runs. Fielding independent pitching. It's home runs and walks and strikeouts. So, yeah, the home runs are hurting his numbers a little bit. So are the walks, uh, even though he can strike out, you know, with the best of them. Uh, Beaver's at 153 strikeouts. McKenzie's at 149. Uh, so, yeah, both of them can strike dudes out, but McKenzie's given up walks, and he's given up home runs, and that's exactly what happens in this game. So that home run comes in the fourth inning from Henderson, jumping back an inning in the third inning This is really where the game kind of turned, the momentum turned in Baltimore's favor. You felt like the Guardians were going to get out of this thing. Uh, They give up, he gives up a leadoff single to Rudinot Odor. After Mateo pops out, he gives up a single to Mullins with Odor running on the pitch, so he goes first to third. So they got runners on the corner, one out, and they've got Adley Rushman, right? The big, you know, rookie of the year candidate, uh, catcher. Uh, Up With runners on the corner, you're thinking, well, this isn't good. This isn't a situation McKenzie wants to be in. But he goes to work against Adley Rushman. He absolutely goes to work. Drops a curveball on him for a called strike. Throws another curveball on the outside edge that he fouls off. Throws him a curveball down below the knees that he fouls off. So he's got him in an 0-2 count, so he just threw him three curveballs in a row. What do you do? You go high fastball up at the shoulders, and he swings through it at 93.4 miles per hour. Remember, the explosion of McKenzie's fastball makes it seem even faster because it doesn't drop. It stays up there, and Rushman does exactly what he's supposed to do. He strikes out swinging. All right, two down now. Anthony Santander's up, and this was a battle, a 10-pitch at bat. Where he had him, he absolutely has him. He starts him with a curveball in the dirt for ball one. All right, Santander lays off curveball for the first pitch. Comes back with a fastball on the inside edge, gets it for a called strike. Throws him a curveball on the outside edge that he swings through for a strike. Then this is where the battle really begins. He goes fastball up and away, but Santander's able to stay on it and follow it off. In fact, he put a little extra on this one. It was 95.1, and he's able to follow it off. All right, he goes high. Let's go back low. Curveball down at the knees. Fouls it off. High fastball to a low curveball, and he's able to foul both of them off. That's actually impressive from the hitter. Uh, Six pitch. All right, now you're just messing with me, baseball savant, because you're showing me a red dot for fastball, but you're saying it was a curveball. So which was it, baseball savant? I guess we're going to say a curveball. uh, Middle of the plate, they fouls off. Then a four-seam fastball uh, way up, way up above the head that he also fouls off. So he's still got him in a one-two count, and he's just fouling everything off no matter where McKenzie puts it. Okay, now you're messing with me, baseball reference, because they're saying this pitch above his head was a ball. Oh, boy. Baseball reference is – okay, they've completely – let's refresh the page here because baseball savant is basically losing its mind in this Santander at-bat. Let's see if we refresh the page, if this is any better here. No, it's still losing its mind. So it doesn't know. Man, it it is not syncing up with pitches were what in this at-bat. All right, I'm going to go with the dots here. So he throws in this fastball high on the seventh pitch for a ball, tries to come in with a slider and misses in, for uh, makes it a 2-2 count. Uh, then on the ninth pitch goes away and misses away with a fastball uh, on a 3-2 count to walk him. So for some reason they have this as a 10-pitch at-bat over on the right side here, and uh, it's not. This is a uh, a 9-pitch at-bat. So those last three pitches he misses with. A high fastball, the slider, and then the uh, fastball away. He misses with. Yeah, they throw an extra fastball in here for some reason. Really weird. Uh, or an extra curveball. Man, yeah, it's weird when you see Baseball Savant get things wrong. Uh, it's pulling data straight from the game. So, yeah, he misses on the last three pitches. He has them in a 1-2 count. And he misses way high on the fastball. Uh, misses inside with the slider. And then misses away with the fastball. And it's just, it's a heck of a battle by Anthony Santander. And the reason I'm harping on this so much is because for some reason, this walk felt like it unraveled McKenzie just a little bit. He like lost confidence just a little bit because of this walk. And I feel like there's an alternate universe somewhere. There's an alternate universe. Maybe we're not the Guardians. Maybe maybe we're the Commodores in that universe. And in that universe, McKenzie strikes out Santander. He gets him with that high fastball, or he gets him to swing through that low curve ball on those fourth and fifth pitches of the at-bat, and he strikes out Santander. Uh, he, it was really a good pitch sequence. There's nothing wrong with the pitch sequence. It's just this at-bat went so long, that, and McKenzie almost loses his confidence and loses his control uh, for those seventh, eighth, and ninth pitches. So yeah, I feel like there is an alternate universe somewhere where McKenzie gets this strikeout, and it's a much better. Different game from that point. But once he walks Santander, now he's loaded the bases. Ramon Urias comes up, and he's got nothing. Walks him on four straight pitches. Misses with a slider away. Tries to throw a fastball. And misses high with three straight fastballs. Cannot find the strike zone at all. Even tried slowing down a little bit. I mean, they're 90-mile-per-hour pitches, and he cannot find the strike zone with any of them. So he walks serious on four straight pitches. And after he just had a mound visit from Carl Willis. So what, what were they talking about? You know, Willis is obviously out there trying to calm him down. And he ends up walking in the first run of the game. Mountcastle comes in, starts him off with a high fastball. Mountcastle being very aggressive, assuming that McKenzie is going to try everything in his power to get a pitch in the strike zone. Uh, he uh, throws one at the top of the strike zone that he fouls off throws him another slider down in a way that he follows off. Finally, it's a fastball up in a way that he shoots into center field, hits it hard, 98.2 miles per hour, but right at Will Benson in center field to end that threat. So it could have been much worse, but we here we've seen that McKenzie walks in a run and then gives up a home run the next inning. He's down to nothing, and the Guardians' offense would never recover. So it's exactly what we described from looking at those... Uh, at those team stats, right, where we were comparing him to Shane Bieber. He's given up more walks, and he's given up more home runs, and they both cost him in this game. So it's definitely a decision that Francona's is going to have to make come playoff time, right? If McKenzie starts to walk people in the playoffs, he could have a very short leash come playoff time. Uh, We've seen that with other managers. We've seen that. Where, you know, a guy, a starter gets into a little bit of trouble in the playoffs, and he's gone. He's out of there. There's zero patience in the playoffs from these current major league managers. Now, it's been a while since we've seen Francona, you know, really manage in a playoff series. When we faced New York in 2020, we just got hammered. I mean, there there were no decisions for him to make because the Yankees jumped all over us. They were smacking home runs like crazy in 2020 in those two games. So he didn't really get a chance to make many managerial decisions cuz the game, both games were kind of out of hand. So will he have a super short leash? You think McKenzie's going to be one of those three starters in that first wild card round, right? Hopefully we're hopefully we win the division. Hopefully we're hosting that round at home at Progressive Field. And it's probably going to be Bieber Quantrill and McKenzie in some order. Uh you got to think with as good as Quantrill has been at home, you want him in those first two games. So, it might be, I mean, it might be Quantrill, Bieber, then McKenzie. Uh, just, you know, they've been that good. Uh, Quantrill's been that good at home. So, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, let's see. Do I have any other notes on this game? Um, Eli Morgan. Yeah, the bullpen uh, finally gives up uh, a run in the eighth inning. Um, let's see. uh Someone got on uh, before Ramon Urias. Yeah, Adelie Rushman walked. I believe that walk was from um, Sam Henches. And then Eli Morgan comes in, gets a strikeout, strikes out Santander, but then gives up the home run to Ramon Urias. It ends the scoreless streak from the Guardians bullpen that stretched back to, I think Mandy Bell said, August 15th. It was something like 30-plus innings of scoreless baseball. From the Guardians bullpen. They hadn't had a streak like that since the huge win streak in 2017. So, yeah. I mean, all streaks are destined to come to an end. And it's usually in a loss like this, right? Where your team just has no momentum. The offense isn't doing anything. So, he goes with, uh, you know, the backside of his bullpen in this one. Uh, Goes for Sandlin, Henches, Morgan, and Shaw. Uh, definitely... Definitely the middle of the bullpen, right? Your middle relievers, the you know clearly Stefan, uh, Karencheck and Classe are the back end of your bullpen, which makes these four guys the middle of your bullpen. De Los Santos too, um, but he didn't get in this game. So Sandlin goes in, does nice job for an inning and a third. Henches gives you an inning with two strikeouts, but he does give up this walk, and then it's an inherited runner. The run is credited to Henches, even though Morgan gives it up on the two-run home run. So, yeah, Morgan giving up more home runs. It's a problem. It's been a problem for him all season. Uh, he has given up home runs. Uh, he gave up a bunch to the Tigers, uh, but he had been quiet his last two appearances, the White Sox and the Mariners, uh, and then before finally giving up a home run here to Baltimore again. So he's given up four home runs this month. Uh, he, You know, he's got a 2.05 whip this month. With an 859 ERA for the month of August. So it has not been a pretty month. He has not found it in eight appearances in the month of August. It's actually gotten worse from his numbers in July. In July, he was at a 675 ERA uh, with a 1.0 whip. Uh, so it's just gotten kind of worse for him in the month of August. So probably not an arm that uh, you know Francona is going to be relying on down the stretch. Morgan definitely has some work to do to find it again. Find what was working for him. Earlier in the season, when he was one of the most dominant pitchers, uh, relief pitchers in baseball, that month of May, whew, a zero point seven five ERA in that month of May with a zero point two five WHIP. I mean, he really was one of the best relievers in all of baseball. Did they just overwork him? Is he was he just not prepared for this workload? Um, I mean, he has he's appeared in how many games this season? Uh, let's see here. He's appeared in 39 games so far this season. He's pitched 51.1 innings in relief out of the bullpen. Uh, so it's not a huge workload. You know, it's not an overwhelming workload for a reliever. Uh, but yeah, he has really, really lost it this last month. So the bullpen finally gives up a run. Uh, Shaw comes in, and despite giving up two hits, he's able to get out of it. I mean, the. They were in this game. I mean, it was a 2 nothing game until the eighth inning. The offense, like we said, just literally could not get a rally going. They had two decent opportunities earlier in the game to score, uh, both with two outs, and they could not come up with the big hit. So, uh, yeah, they were 0-3 with runners in scoring position. I mean, like we said, they didn't even give themselves that many opportunities to score. So, it's a quiet day for the Guardians offense, and uh, yeah, They're going to have to go out there. They're going to have to put the work in now in the finale, in the Thursday finale, not a getaway day, not a day game. Uh, It's another 6-10 start, and it's going to be Braddish going for the Orioles against Bieber. So Bieber's got a chance to win the series. Braddish is a righty, so I expect all our lefties to still be in the lineup. Uh, And it's September call-ups. So some of the big news and something people are excited about is that Cody Morris is going to be joining the team. Uh, as a September call-up. He's already here in Cleveland. He was there last night. If you don't know who Cody Cody Morris is, it's because he's been working his way back through injury for most of the time he's been here here in Cleveland. But he has pitched very well in the chances he's been given. He is kind of a starter, starter like Eli Morgan, but he's been pitching in relief to work himself back from injury. He He hurt himself in spring training with a shoulder strain that he's been working back from. So he's the number 15 prospect uh, in the Guardians on MLB.com. His grades, he's got a 60 grade on his fastball. They say in the scouting report it sits 92 to 95 but can reach 97. Uh, So we'll see if, you know, he's only 25 years old. So is he going to find a little more juice on that fastball? Uh, but it's a 60-grade fastball. The curveball is graded at 55. They said in the college it used to be a pretty weak slider, but he's turned it into a decent curveball. He's now throwing a cutter, which they grade at 50, and his second-best pitch is the changeup, which they grade at 55 as well. For control, they got him at a 50, and overall grade, they got him at a 45 for some reason. Everything, if every grade is over 50, why is his overall 45? Anyways, this guy has been pitching very well uh, in A, in limited appearances. He's only appeared in six games for Colorado since coming back for Colorado, for Columbus. Um, you see COL and your, your mind instantly goes Colorado uh, for the Columbus Clippers. He's appeared in six games. He's got a 235 ERA. He's got a, a 0.72 whip, a 096 batting average against 30 strikeouts to only six walks. So this guy can come in and be a weapon. He's a big right hander. Uh, He could come in and be a weapon uh, out of the bullpen for Terry Francona down the stretch. It's going to be interesting. You're going to be throwing a guy right into the fire, right into a playoff race. So it's going to be very interesting to see what this guy's got at the Major League level. To get your first taste of Cody Morris at the Major League level. Who the other September call-up is going to be is still up for debate. There was no clear signs from the Columbus Clippers lineup Yesterday, no obvious person missing like Gabriel Arias or Bo Naylor or anything like that. So they're going to get to call up another player with Cody Morris. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I still got my money on Arias because I think he gives them help at third base. They don't really need another outfielder right now. Uh, They've already got two on their bench. So uh, my guess would be Arias, but we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, It'd be really nice to get another bat up here. Uh, I mean, we've been DHing Palacios and Owen Miller, uh, so it. I mean, we have a spot open at DH. We really do for an offensive player. I mean, if they want to go nuts, if they want to bring Nolan Jones back and just let him DH for a while, if they want to go nuts and bring up a George Valera, uh, and they don't necessarily have to find a room in the outfield. Him and Gonzalez and Benson can you know rotate through that DH spot. So it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with that last September call-up spot. Uh, There's other things going on around Major League Baseball, which we don't talk about very often on the show. We get so focused, hyper-focused, I feel like, this season on the Guardians games. Uh, There are some home-run chases going on in Major League Baseball that I just wanted to talk about uh, briefly because, I mean, Judge really looks like he's going to do it. Judge looks like he's going to break 61, uh, which... Everybody that's broken 61 home runs to this point has either been accused or proven of taking performance-enhancing drugs, and I don't think there is that reputation on Aaron Judge. He's just a monster of a man. He's always been a monster of a man, and uh, he, I mean, anything can happen in baseball, but it's really, we don't get to see it. I You know what? I, I miss, when I was a kid, I watched SportsCenter every morning, and I would see these highlights, right? Or MLB Network, you know, had a pretty decent morning show. Now that we don't watch cable, I, I don't watch TV in the morning. I don't put SportsCenter on in the morning anymore. I don't see these highlights anymore. That's why I feel like I'm so hyper-focused on these Guardians games with you. Uh, but, yeah, I, he really might. Judge might break 61, Another Yankee, of course. Why not? Uh, he's, he's, he's on pace to do He's got a whole month. I think he's up to 51 now. So he's got to hit 10 home runs in the month of September. I Keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it because it's impressive. It's still impressive to hit that many home runs. Uh, even if he gets close to 60, it's impressive. And the other one is Pujols, who's going for 700 career home runs, I think he's up to, like, 694. He's very close. And at this point, I mean, if you're a pitcher facing him, just throw him fastballs. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, come on. Be a good guy. Throw him fastballs. Let's see what he can do. Let's see if he can get to 700. He's actually been on, you know, recently I've seen a lot of stuff pop up on, like, uh, at least the apps, Bleacher Report and stuff like that. I feel like that's how I'm keeping track of Major League Baseball now It's through some of these apps and Twitter, and social media, and things like that, uh, but who else has hit a bunch lately, and he really might have a chance to get to 700 for his career, um, the other thing is he set the record for the most home runs, hit off the most different pitchers, it was like 400 and some plus pitchers that he's now homered off of, which is just a fun stat, that's just, uh, it's just a fun, I mean to think that you'd have a career that would last that long they'd face that many different pitchers uh, it's a homer off of that many different guys I, you know I don't think it's anything anyone thinks about when they go into their career you know I don't think it's something that's everyone anyone is ever chasing that record but uh, the fact that he ends up with it he's played that long uh, split time between the American League and the National League and he's faced pretty much everyone in the game, you know, at this point. And so he's now homered off the most pitchers of anyone in Major League history. So two uh, two notes from around Major League Baseball that I just thought would be fun to end the show with today. So, yeah, it's a weird episode. It is, because I don't have much Guardian stuff to talk about uh, with the offense kind of being that weak on the day. Four hard-hit balls, that's it, off of Jordan Lyles. I mean, it's not like we're facing... Uh, You know, one of the aces of Major League Baseball here, right? Uh, Jordan Lyles just had himself a really good day. All right, so MVP on the day. I guess I still have to throw this out. Oh, boy. Oof. I hate doing this. Uh, Jose Ramirez did give us, you know, a chance to score. He had two hits on the day, including a double. Uh, He made it to third base twice. They just couldn't bring him around to score. But I think I'm going to go with Nick Sandlin out of relief. You know, Sandlin is someone who had to prove himself. And he comes in and gives you an inning and a third of nice, clean baseball. No hits, no runs, no walks. One strikeout on only 11 pitches. He gets through an inning and a third. So I think I'm going to go MVP on the day, Nick Sandlin. He kept this in the game. He kept it a 2-0 game. He tried to give the offense opportunities to come back. You know, the Guardians offense had been good, you know, the second, third time through the lineup. They had been putting runs up. They just can't do anything on this day. So Sandlin... Uh, for proving himself to be reliable once again out of the bullpen, gets MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, the link is in the show notes. You can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air responding to your thoughts and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.